Welcome to another message from Citizen Heights. We are located in the nation's capital, where our heart is to inspire hope, remove limitations, and help you experience God's possible for your life. Join Pastors Michael and Heather Giroux in their passion to help you live your best life. We hope you enjoy today's encouraging and uplifting message. Good morning. Happy summer. About time, huh? Man, it was a great week, but here we are on a sunny Sunday. So it's so good to see you. Thank you for coming to church today on a sunny Sunday after a big, long break. These are real Christians up in here, right? Could have been doing a lot of other things after this week of rain. But here we are gathered together, and there's no better place to be. I want to give a big welcome and shout out to our Dulles campus. Uh, We are joining together. This morning, we are one church in multiple locations, and also welcome to our online campus. If you're joining with us, we know that God has something special just for you today, and maybe you're watching online and you're getting the courage to come and visit us in person. I just want to take a moment and give you this personal invitation to just take, take that step and come and check it out. You will not regret it. You will not be sorry that you came and joined us in person. So, well, today we are concluding our series, Faith Plus. Um, and we have been taking, uh, we've been looking at Second Peter chapter 1 over the last few weeks, kind of diving a little deeper into these verses and talking about what it means really just to be a disciple, learning from one of the best, right? The Apostle Peter. And kind of reading what he had to say in Second Peter chapter 1 and how he modeled a priority and a pursuit of Jesus in his life. And how he kind of um, gives us some amazing words of wisdom as well as promises, right, from God that we can really take with us on our own spiritual journey. So if you would open your Bibles with me this morning to Second Peter, we're going to go ahead and read our main text once again together. You'll see it also on the screen. Um, and we're going to start in Second Peter chapter 1 with verse 3. So let's read this along. Follow along with me. It says this, his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. For this very reason, let's read this part together, make every effort, that's right, to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control and to self-control perseverance and to perseverance godliness and to godliness mutual affection and to mutual affection love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. Therefore, brothers and sisters... 
There it is again. Make every effort to confirm your calling and election. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. And you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We are good. Well done, family. Okay. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you that it's alive and it's powerful and that you have something specific for each and every one of us this morning. So God, we ask that you would speak to our hearts, that you would change our minds, that you would illuminate things that we hadn't seen before, that you would reveal yourself to us through your word in new and fresh ways this morning as we seek after you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, I want to give us a very quick review this morning because it's been a little bit. Last weekend was so much fun with Father's Day and Juneteenth, and we had so much to celebrate, but we took a little break, so it's been a couple weeks. So I want to review quickly week one where I kind of shared my mom's story of bagpacking. I don't know if you remember my mom's story about bagpacking and all the bags over all the years with all the kids that I've had to have very, very packed and ready. Um, The logistics and the details and the organization of it. I talked about sports bags, school bags, activity bags, lunch bags. (laughs) Everyone's like, oh my gosh, this was exhausting, right? And how you have to, if you're not ahead of it, if you're not anticipating, then you're going to be missing something. And we talked, and and I shared just how, you know, if one of my kids came home from golf practice with a sunburn, I'd be like, no, no excuses. You had sunblock. I packed that. And we took a look at 2 Peter chapter 1, how the Bible says, God tells us, I have given you everything that you need in me. I have given you everything that you need to live the godly life that you're called to live through not my own effort, not my own accomplishments, through the power of God that works in us as we pursue Christ, as we know him. So we just began to look at what does it really mean to know Jesus? What does it really mean to be a disciple? What does it really mean to follow him? It's more than a click. It's more than a weekly check-in. What does it mean? And we looked at the life of Peter and how Peter left everything behind. He changed everything around about his whole life in order to be a disciple of Christ. And how salvation, we come to Christ and we come to faith, and while it is free, it will cost us our life, right? The Bible says that we die to our old life and we come alive to a new life in Christ. But it's not all at once, right? God is so good. He's faithful and he's patient and he's kind and he teaches us and he takes us by the hand and we learn from him as we pursue him as true disciples, right? Knowing him and understanding. And then in verse four, we kind of looked at this idea of participating in God's divine nature. This is what it looks like to be a Christian because Heather is selfish. Heather is a lot of things that probably don't exemplify Christ. You ever come to church and you see all the nice Christian people and you're like, wow, they just have a personality that really tends toward (laughs) Christianity, (laughs) towards goodness, right? Towards patience. Yeah, I'm not one of those. And, and, And I'm happy to tell you, neither was Peter. Peter was a regular guy, rough around the edges. Come on, he made a lot of mistakes, praise God. 
And so there's room for all of us as disciples of Jesus to come and say, you know what? I'm going to put off my sin nature and the decisions that I used to make and the pull and the draw of, of my sin nature and what the Bible calls here evil desires or lust. Come on, let's get real. I'm putting off those things and I'm deciding through faith and through the grace of Jesus that's extended to me only by the blood of Jesus. I can't do this in my own effort. I am choosing obedience because of faith and I'm putting on these attributes. I'm going to partake in the divine nature of God. I'm going to partake in his divine nature. And we started to kind of unpack some of these attributes. And so this week, as we close this series, as we conclude, I want to kind of flip it and start from the end of our verses, okay? I want to start at the end of our verses, and um, I want to look at the promises at the very end, because it's really good to know why we're doing what we're doing. (laughs) Amen? It's really good to know, like, that eternity is waiting for you and I, amen? And that there's more to just the life that we live each and every day, and I love life here on earth. I've never been one of those people who love to talk about the eternity and heaven all the time because I actually really love the people here. <laughs> I really like being human, right? We have that kind of tension, and, and uh, we, love, we love life and we love the good things of living the life that we have, but we also have a lot of pain. We have a lot of suffering. We have a lot of adversity. It's good to know as you grow in faith and as you age as a human that there is more beyond this that is waiting for us. And so if you take a look at verses um, 8 through 11, I just want to reread those for you and they can put them up on the screen. It says, for if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. See, what happens to us is, as, as, as believers is we begin to get comfortable even in our relationship with Jesus. Just like you can take that loving husband or that loving wife or that good friend for granted. We begin to take the goodness of God for granted and we forget what manner of person that we were. And we get comfortable in the forgiveness of God and we forget how good God is. And I love what Chasen was saying today as we wrapped up worship because God is holy. He is good. We cannot even begin to, to imagine what it would be like to come face. We can't, we, our, 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 our bodies couldn't handle coming face to face with God. Come on the creator of the universe, the one who created you, full of purpose, full of hope, full of intention, to be in relationship with him. And it says that, therefore, brothers and sisters, make every effort, this reoccurring theme, you know, and we don't, we don't get to heaven because of our own works, but you know what? God seems to always be doing his job, doesn't he? Jesus already did his job. His job is complete, and now it's our part that we have to think about, right? We have a part to play, not because we're working for our salvation. No, our salvation is already paid for. It says he's already given us everything we need. We just need to access it through 
our relationship with Christ. And the more I pursue him, the more I get to know him, the more I access by the power of God working in my life that turnaround where I no longer live on the old system I now have a new operating system, amen? Things that used to just be fine for me to look at, now it's like, ah, uh, I don't know if I want that in my mind. I don't know if I wanna carry that. I don't know if I wanna say that. I don't know if I wanna go there. Come on. Because God does this work inside of us. It's called spiritual transformation and it happens by his power and his power alone. So he makes us this promise that brothers and sisters make an effort to confirm your calling and your election. You know, your calling, you have been called by God. Just like Peter, Peter knew this. He understood what it was like to be going about his everyday business and hear Jesus call him. Jesus has called your name. He has chosen you. You've been elected. He has chosen you. He has called your name. This idea of calling is an invitation. It's an invitation. It's an inviting. And we must follow. Amen. We must respond. Make your calling an election sure. And if you do these things, you will never stumble. I am, in the, I am interested in being a part of a body of believers that don't stumble around. Amen? And, 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 and remember, the truth of the Bible is never given to us to judge others. Always, always given to us to judge ourselves. Amen? To measure ourselves. God, help me. I want to be the person that doesn't stumble. That thing, that sin, or that thing that I keep struggling with. God, I just, by your power, as I press into you, I'm asking that you would set me free from that thing. If you do this, he says, you will never stumble, and you will receive a rich welcome into the kingdom of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen? So there is hope for your future, and there is promises of not just the life to come, amen, but your life here on earth. Because he says, you are called and elected to live productive, effective lives for Jesus. He addresses this idea so that you will not have be ineffective and unproductive. And you know, I was looking at these words. It's like having a plant or a tree that should be bringing forth fruit in the summer. Pastor David is our big gardener. I don't know if you know that. He's He's quite a gardener. He's planting squash and doing all these fancy things. And I'm like, wow, you're amazing, right? But what happens in a couple of months when there's nothing there, right? And there is something in, in the church today where we have Christians that they, like, they're not fruitful. They're Christian in name only, but when you look at their life, you don't want to judge. I mean, if you're like me, you're just like, well, it's not for me to judge. Man looks on the outward. Only God can see the heart. But come on now. <laughs> My life should be producing something. The Bible says fruit in keeping with righteousness. And let me tell you, I'm not righteous by myself. The only way that happens is if I'm knowing Jesus, if I'm following Jesus, if I'm pursuing Jesus daily. So I have to measure myself and say, look at my life and say, come on, like, 
Do I see this fruit coming? Am, am, I, am I being a productive Christian? Jesus gave us a parable about this exact kind of believer. Do you remember the parable of the sower? Where the seed goes out and it goes in all these different places? And then he leaves the crowd and begins to explain to his disciples what each different kind of seed in the different kind of place means. And he says in Matthew 7, verse 22, he says, The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it... Here's the same Greek word as we just read, unproductive, unfruitful. God help us that the worries of this life, the cares of this life, overshadow the goodness and the greatness of our God. Cause us to forget that we have been forgiven of our sins. Cause our perspective to go from something that is eternal to something that is right here. He said, if you don't have these qualities, you are short-sighted, near-sighted, and blind. A near-sighted person can only see what's right in front of them. I know because I am. <laughs> Hallelujah. I don't need those glasses yet that my husband and some of my friends need, praise the Lord, hanging on to that one, uh, not quite 50 yet, but I do need glasses to drive far, you know, to see far away. I'm nearsighted. So often life comes at us quick and we allow, we allow the cares of this world and let's be honest, the deceitfulness of wealth, the things the things that we desire, the things to come in the way of that pursuit. Come on, we're talking about being disciples of Jesus, followers of him, pursuing him. He wants to bless our life. He wants you to have influence. He wants you to have success. He wants you to have reach, but we have to have first things first, amen? First things first. That we live with an eternal perspective. We walk different. Our lives bear fruit in keeping with the righteousness of God. Because we know that we're called. We, there's a calling on your life. Just like God called, uh, Jesus called Peter. And actually he was Simon. And then God changed his name, right? Jesus changed his name. God calls you today. He calls you by name and the things that you used to be, and the ways that you used to be. It's not about personality. He says, I give you an opportunity to partake in my divine nature, to take on these things. You don't have to already be a patient person. All of a sudden, you have the fruit of the spirit of patience. You don't always already have to be these things. And last week, we talked about the first three um, about the first three qualities. We looked at goodness, we looked at knowledge, and we looked at self-control. And, and so this week, we want to pick up where we left off, and we want to start with perseverance, okay? So now we have in full view eternity, fruitfulness, right? Calling, election, and the fact that we have a responsibility to make an effort. To make an effort, all right, perseverance. Let's look at what the Greek means in this verse about perseverance. It says, in adding to your self-control, perseverance. Perseverance is steadfastness, 
constancy, endurance. Specifically, the picture that it paints in the Greek is the characteristic of a person who is not swerved from his deliberate purpose and his loyalty to faith and piety by even the greatest trials and suffering. How often when things aren't going my way and I don't feel like God is showing up the way I have decided he needs to show up, do I question his goodness? How often do I question his character, his nature, when things don't go my way? Can I encourage you wherever you are this morning to put on perseverance? To change your mind about what you think the Bible says about who God is. God is interested in your temporary well-being, but he is more interested than your permanent and eternal state. And if we look in the word, we see from the children of Israel to Joseph to like go on and on and on, like Daniel, all these people in the Bible where God, you know, meets people and he calls people and he interacts with humanity but it's really in adversity where we seek after God the most where God's power is revealed the most because it's in adversity that we realize what we're lacking and we understand our need for him so God by his mercy does not intervene in every situation Could he? Yes. Why doesn't he? I don't always know. But I know that I want to persevere in hard times. I want perseverance to be part of the the character of God that I participate in. I'm going to seek after it. I'm going to ask God for it. I'm going to say, Jesus, by your power, I need your perseverance in this situation. Because on my own, I don't think I can make it. But God, I know with your supernatural power working in me and as I seek after you, that I can persevere through any storm if you are with me. If you are with me. There's some amazing verses in the Bible about perseverance. One is a couple in Romans 2, verse 7 and 8. It says, God will repay each person to to what they have done. To these who by persistence or perseverance, in the King James Version, it says patient continuance in doing good, seek glory, honor, and immortality. He will give eternal life. But for those who are self-seeking and who reject the truth and follow evil, there will be wrath and anger. Can I challenge us this morning that the thought pattern that God isn't showing up for me I've asked him to and he's not showing up for me, is self-seeking. Can I challenge you that that thought pattern is wrong thinking? And I'm only saying it because I don't wanna minimize your, 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 the place you're in, but I have a responsibility as your pastor to tell you the truth and I don't want you to find out in heaven that was wrong thinking. It is self-seeking to think Jesus didn't show, Jesus showed up. He paid the ultimate price for you and for me. And he calls us. He calls us. And as we humble ourselves and pursue him, I'm telling you, he will meet you. He will meet you in ways that you can't even imagine. He will meet you with his peace. He will meet you with his rest. He will bring rest to your weary soul. He will bring health to your body. Come on, he will meet you, but you have to understand that this idea of self-seeking 
Jesus is not a buffet. We don't come and get to pick and choose what we want off of the buffet of his goodness. That's not how it works. He's a king. He's in charge of a kingdom. He says, come and be a part of my family. Be a part of my kingdom, but don't make any mistake. He is a king. He is holy. He is righteous. And it is a privilege and an amazing honor to have your name called by the king of kings. And he invites all of us. He invites us. He invites us to come and to follow him. I, want, I think I had one more... Um, yeah, one more couple of verses. Again in Romans 5, verse 1 through 5, it says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith. Remember, we talked about this week one. Access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings Next level, next level faith. We're glory in our sufferings. Okay, here we go. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, the character of God, and hope. And hope does not put us to shame. Because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. The next, the next, um, attribute is godliness. This is piety, reverence, respect, holiness. I wrote a verse down that I often, that often um, I read in 1 Timothy 4.8. It says, for physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. I love working out at the gym. So this is a good verse for me because I need to make sure I, you know, Jesus first. But here's the thing. There's value in it. You know, Paul's writing to Timothy. Timothy was in Ephesus. Ephesus was the second city only to Rome where all of the Olympic Games and the athletes and all that stuff was happening. Athletics was a big deal. It was a god. Sound familiar? I don't know. Us. And what I really take from this verse is that I'm doing so many things to develop my earthly and physical gifts and talents and abilities, but what am I really doing to exercise my spirit? What am I paying? Am I paying attention to holiness? There's a list a mile long of things that people won't eat, but man, they'll watch anything. Come on spiritual McDonald's taking it in 24-7 it's affecting my spirit put on godliness allow the Holy Spirit he wants to speak to you now listen I'm never going to get up here and list it for us because here's the thing it's between you and Jesus it's between you and Jesus but God is holy and he is looking for people that are completely his so while the, the development of our external natural gifts and, you know, fitness and all these things, they have value. That's good. You need to do that if you want to have longevity on this earth. But when we invest in our spirit, when we take time to seek God, to put in what's going to grow us spiritually, you know, 
Get your spiritual smoothie on every morning. Make sure it's got all the things so that you're ready for your day. Your spirit is prepared. It's growing. Amen. You're in tune with God. He's able to speak to you. We got two more. Next one is mutual affection. Number six, mutual affection. This is the Greek word Philadelphia, right? The city of brotherly love. Okay. Here we go. Pennsylvania. Um, The Bible says, be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another among yourselves. This is the, the, the theology of siblings. We're not great at this because as Americans, most of us here are Americans or Americanized. Can I just say that? Okay. Our culture is very individual. But God has a big emphasis in his word about how we are to care for one another. And it's not enough for you just to participate in God's nature so you can feel holy but forget others. The nature of God always is others-minded, others first. Come on. And I know when we were having our boys, every single time a new baby was born, we would like talk to the baby in mommy's belly and the little boys would like get excited about having a new baby. And I told them what, I, I gave, I told them what their job would be with their brother. And I don't know why Gavin and I were driving somewhere, I think this weekend, and I was like, Gavin, what's your job? Oh, we got a new puppy. Michael got a new puppy. That's a different story for a different day. Yep. Michael got a new puppy. He's a single parent of a new puppy. Um, But I said to Gavin, I know, I told you guys, we have a real marriage, okay? It's real. Um, Anyway, I told Gavin the other day, I was like, Gavin, what's your job? And he's 20. He's like, love and protect. From the, from the moment I knew I was going to have another baby, I told my boys, what's your job with your brother? To love and protect them. And we need to be better at this. It doesn't say you have to agree with them. It doesn't say you have to, you know, align in every area. And this isn't in my notes, but let me tell you something. Jesus paid for unity in his body. It's already there. Our job as believers is to guard it, not to create it. It's already been given to us. He already died for it. It's already been given to us. So if you're dividing the body of Christ, you are doing the devil's work for him. Our job as believers is to love one another. Love covers a multitude of sins. Come on. It's mutual affection, brotherly brotherly love. And there are scripture after scripture in the New Testament that in Romans be, uh, twelve ten, be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Keep on loving one another in Hebrews as brothers and sisters. The Hebrew, the, the book of Hebrews was written to the Hebrew people who were up in arms because now the Gentiles were God's chosen people. And there, sitting in the same church, were people who would not even dine together two weeks ago. But now Jesus died, rose from the dead, and here it is for everyone. Talk about deep, real divisions. 
real cultural differences, real ways of seeing life and seeing things differently. And Jesus said, love one another. I paid for the unity of my body and I'm coming back for a body that is united, amen? All right, I'm gonna close with this one, just love, the supernatural love of God. The last attribute. Remember he says, if you have these in increasing measure, come on in God, we're always growing. We're always getting better. I'm not getting worse with age, I'm getting better with age, amen? In God, we're always growing. He says, put on love. The supernatural, divine love of God. This is not something we can cultivate on our own. This is all through the power of God. Come on, who's at work in us through knowledge of Christ, through knowing him. We put on his divine love, pure love. This isn't the kind that you love your husband or wife with. This is the pure love of God with zero selfishness added. The agape love of God. John 13, 35 says, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. Not because you can work miracles, not because you can perform signs and wonders. This is how people are gonna know that you can follow me. Remember, we talked about in week two, how at the end times, people are gonna say, well, I cast out demons and I did all these amazing things in your name and Jesus and, and God is gonna say, I never knew you. And we talked about how the fruit of knowing Christ is his character in our lives. The fruit that is in keeping with righteousness. The fruit of God's goodness is miraculous things happening. The fruit of God's goodness is miracles and answered prayer. Come on and divine provision. That's not because we're good, that's because he's good. The fruit of knowing Jesus is how you love one another. John 15, 10 says, if you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. Finding his love, getting in his love, and staying there. It's a lifetime pursuit only by the power of God, only by a relationship with Christ. As we close this morning, I wanna just give you one final thing. And gosh, I really hope this series hasn't been too heavy, but I wanna be truthful, come on, and bring the word. In the, in the book of 2 Timothy, in chapter three, Paul is writing to Timothy, and he's giving him warnings about the end times, but he's not talking about the world, like people, the lost people, people who don't know God. He's giving him warnings about Christians. And Timothy, who's a young pastor of the big church, Antioch in the, you know, in, in Ephesus, is, um, he's giving him these warnings and he, and he writes to him, there's gonna be really bad times in the last days because Christians are gonna be lovers of themselves. That's, that's what he has as first in the list. I'm thinking murderers, you know, slanderers, you know, adulterers. No, they're going to be lovers of self. They're going to love money more than they love Jesus. They're going to be boastful. Jesus is dealing with inner heart attitudes, not external acts, 
but rather the ways of God that want to come and overtake these human ways. He's looking for people who live by faith and will make the ultimate faith step in exchanging their human nature, their human ways for God's divine nature through the power of God at work in their lives. And what's so crazy is he says, they have a form of godliness, but deny its power. Always learning, but never coming to knowledge of the truth. I wanna pray today that as believers, we will have our eyes opened. Because you know what, we're living in an age of knowledge. We're living in, in, in a time where you can click on something and you can read all about God, right? What Jesus has to say. And I said this a couple weeks ago without actually really knowing him. You know how we are? You know all about celebrities or your favorite movie star and never have really met them. But God is calling us to himself to be true disciples that are going to seek after him. That aren't going to settle for knowing about him, but really knowing him. My, my sheep hear my voice and they know me and they follow me. That was, that was said when Jesus was standing by the sheep gate. There's like thousands of sheep and shepherds going through this gate all at one time. How does the sheep know who to follow? Come on, there's a lot of voices. Jesus said, my sheep, they know my voice. When they get in a situation, they know when I'm speaking to them. Because what? They've practiced. They practiced it. They seek me daily. They seek me daily. Always learning, but never able to come to a knowledge. That word knowledge there is not just information. It's really that specific word in that verse is about application. They know a lot, but they don't actually apply it. So they kind of become numb to my voice. Can you bow your heads with me this morning? God, we come before you this morning. We ask for your grace. God, we thank you for the truth of your word that comes to just kind of shake us up a little bit and shine a light on things in our own lives. God, every single one of us, in this room, Father, you know our story. You see our life. You see the condition of our heart, God. You know the struggles and the pain and the, the past and the present. God, you have such a future prepared. And Father, for every single person in this room, God, I pray today as we humble our hearts before you, God, and the, as we hear your word and the word of truth comes to us, God, I pray that we would have open hearts where the thorns and the, and the distractions of this world and the cares of this world and the worries of this life and the, the deceitfulness of the, of the external things would not choke out the word that comes to us to convict us of our own sin, to turn our hearts from the things of this world, God, to you. Let us not be deceived. Let us not be short-sighted. Let us not be blind to eternity, to the perspective of what's really going on, that there is a battle for our souls and for our spirits, that there is a battle being waged for the people around us. God, that there's so much more than what we can just see in front of us. God, help us to have ears to, eat, to hear and eyes of faith to see with an eternal perspective what you're doing in us 
and on this earth around us. God, I pray today that we would have a fresh devotion to you this morning. Thank you for the conviction of your Holy Spirit that brings hope for change. To do better tomorrow, God, you're calling us because you love us. That you call our names. Jesus, that you love us. That we are the object of your affection. That as you hung and died on that cross, that our face, our name was on your heart. And that you didn't just die to forgive us from our sin, but God, you, 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 you purchased our freedom, our wholeness, so that we can walk into the future that you have for us, that we can live in the fullness of all that you have for us. In Jesus' name. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here and you don't know Jesus for yourself, I want to pray specifically for you. If we're just going to take this moment and just to slip your, slip your hand up and let me know who that might be. At the Dulles campus, maybe you're tuning in online. You can click a hand um, and let us know. But Dulles campus, slip your hand up anywhere around this room here in Tenley Town. If you need to pray that prayer, we're going to pray a prayer of salvation all together as a whole church community. And if that's your very first time, go ahead and slip your hand up so I can see who exactly I'm praying with here, Tenley Town, in the room. And we're going to pray this together as a, as a, maybe it's a fresh commitment for you. Maybe it's a first time prayer. And you know what? There's going to be many, many prayers ahead that you will pray, but this is a great place to start. Would you just repeat after me right now as I pray this prayer aloud? Dear Jesus, forgive me for my sin. I want to live for you. Help me to walk out of my past and into the future that you have for me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.